Teen Author Bootcamp presents The Next Best Seller, a podcast for aspiring teen authors. I am your host, Maddie Bramble. I am a 17-year-old marketing intern at TABC and am currently on my journey to write a book, just like many of you. On The Next Best Seller, we will learn all about the craft of writing from best-selling authors, from what an author's day might look like to the nitty-gritty process of editing, from character development to plotting your novel. We will reveal all you need to know to become a best-selling author yourself. Today's guest is Frank L. Cole. Frank was born into a family of Southern storytellers and wrote his first book at age eight. Highly superstitious and gullible to a fault, Frank will believe any creepy story you tell him, especially ones involving ghosts and Bigfoot. Currently, along with his wife and three children, he resides in the shadow of a majestic western mountain range, which is most likely haunted. Champion's Quest, The Die of Destiny is Frank's 13th published book. He is an active promoter of reading and using imagination and has been to more than 250 schools nationwide presenting to kids. Here's Frank Cole. What is one interesting fact most people don't know about you? If when I was in high school, I really love writing and there was a creative writing class and it was like the one of the first classes that I've ever been excited about being a part of and I didn't get into the class <laughs> and, and I just didn't get in and I uh, several of my friends got in and they were great writers but uh, I think I was the only one that ever got published so <laughs> I remember I used that kind of as a uh, you know a motivator I'm like I never got into my creative writing class and I never I just, I tried, (laughs) so. Have you ever wondered how authors find time to write, even with busy schedules? When do they write? What helps them get in the mindset to write? I'm here with Frank Cole to find out what a day in the life as an author looks like for him. So give us a brief overview of your novel, The Champion's Quest, The Die of Destiny. All right, well, if I, the quick, the quick, uh, um, overview it, it's like jumanji meets dungeons and dragons um there's there are four kids that get invited so to speak somewhat so to speak to join in this game called champions quest and they think it's a normal role-playing game but it ends up being like jumanji they get sucked into the game um you have lucas silver he's a he's in the foster in a group foster home and he was actually attempting to run away when he gets lured into try out this game uh his roommate miles is at the foster home and then uh kind of an acquaintance at school not really a friend but somewhat a friend named jasmine Batista, and then the older sister that's not really their sister but she's the real child of the foster caretakers um vanessa crow so they those are the four to get in and they can't go home until they um finish the quest which is fighting a whole bunch of monsters and getting treasure and weapons and all sorts of fun stuff really really epic fun gaming type stuff i was first of all amazed by the description i feel like i can't really write or read a book anymore without like critiquing the writing no matter who it is just because i've learned so much and i was just sitting there like starstruck with like this description (laughs) just like immediately pulled me in yeah i am the same way with movies books everything i critique it the whole time it kind of once you become an author, it kind of ruins everything. <laughs> it it does in a way. <laughs> it ruins it for my wife. She's like, 
why would you stop critiquing the movie? I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So when you were writing this book, what was your writing quote unquote kryptonite? I'm a pantser. And so I really, I'm a pantser by heart. Uh, when I write, I love the creative process of just flowing and finding and discovering. Uh, and I had to plot this story out because it was under contract with, a, with my publisher. So they really wanted to know what was going on. So I, I laid it all out and it just kind of stumped my creativity. Cause I'm like, well, I'm supposed to write this scene now and I couldn't do it. And whenever I could just sit down and write and not know what was going to happen, I could write so much. It was the creativity was flowing a lot easier. So I, I need to find a way to overcome that, but that's with every story. I'm a pantser when I write and now when you get under contract, people want to have, they want to know what you're giving them. <laughs> so what has been your favorite experience as an author? Um, you know, the, the initial contract that I got for my very first book, which was, you know, came out 12 years ago. So I got that contract about 13 years ago. That, that excitement um, of finally making it after eight years of trying and, and not being successful and it finally happened. That was pretty, pretty epic. Um, I'd say that was my favorite. There's a lot of good ones, but that was my favorite just because that was the moment, you know, and, and it just, it kept going from there. So who is the author that has had a biggest, the biggest impact on your writing career? I was writing. So when I first started writing in high school um, and even in college, at the beginning of college, I was writing, I wanted to write really scary horror novels. And, uh, and, and I think I still could, I just, you know, I was trying to think of these really scary things. And then I read Harry Potter and then I'm like, I want to write something like this. And it just, so I think JK Rowling probably was the biggest influence because it changed my whole writing. I didn't even know that there was children that I could write a children's book. Um, it, it never even crossed my mind. It was like, it's got to be horror. It's got to be Stephen King. And then I read Harry Potter and I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I want to write. Something like this. Yeah. So if you could turn back time and talk to your younger self, what would you say and why? You know, I would tell myself to, um, to finish some stories because I, I thought I, I started some pretty creative ideas in high school and uh, never finished anything. I would start it and then move on to the next, start something else, move on to the next. And it wasn't until I was older and I, and I was married and my wife said, well, why don't you try to write something and finish it and try to get published? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll try to do that. But I think looking back, if I could have finished some of that stuff, um, I would have been far further, further along in my career than I am now, because I think um, I would have learned or just embraced my writing as a, as a youth and, th and think that this is something that I could do. It wasn't until I was much older, but I realized this is something that I, I could do. Yeah. I definitely think I say it time and time again, like half the battle of writing a book is finishing it. You yeah, know, it is. And it's that moment. Once you finish a story, it's, it kind of, it's a triumphant moment. And then you realize I could, it's like when you finish a race and everyone says they compare it to running. And once you finish a race, you're like, okay, I could do that again. It was hard, but I could do that again. But until you do, it's like, I can't do this. I can't finish this. I don't even know what that looks like. And then once you do, it's like, okay, 
I could do this again. What is one piece of writing advice that you kind of have ignored while writing? Um, oh, okay. Yeah, this is a good. Ah, so everyone will tell you to write like every day, set writing goals and, and just sit down and write. And it doesn't matter if it's a few minutes or it's a few words, you just write every day. Um, I ignore that. <laughs> I tell it to everybody, but then I ignore it myself because my life's pretty busy. So as an author, it's not my full-time job. I have a full-time job, um, but writing is a full-time job. So I have a job that pays the bills. Writing pays some bills, but it's, you know, most authors are starving unless you're really, really big. Um, so there are two full-time jobs and then you have to market the full-time job. So I have to find time to write. And I usually write um, on a day off from work for like 14 hours. I'll just get up in the morning and write. And then I won't write again for like a week. And then I'll sit down and look at what, I'm at what I've written and, and then I'll do it again. And so I'll say it takes me six months to write a book, but it's probably over the course of like 12 days <laughs> that I write it. Or maybe maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit more. But it's it feels like it's like I haven't written in weeks and then I'll sit down for 12 hours and write. How has writing been different from now to when you were a teen? Uh, I think I'm more... Well, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, um, made a lot of mistakes. So as a teen, you're starting out making those mistakes. So when you're my age, I've made those mistakes. So many mistakes now that uh, I can look back at some of the books that I've written and I can see it. Uh, but my, when I first wrote my first couple of books, um, I thought they were they were amazing. And now I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, uh, I just you just don't realize it. So you have to have those mistakes along the way. So I, I, I think I'm, I'm more flawed now because I made so many mistakes that maybe that helps me out because I feel like I don't know what I'm doing still, but at least I can, I have something, uh, some, some experiences under my belt that I can pull from. What is the most important quality in your mind and how does it help you achieve your goals? My most important quality is my ability to have a total freak out right before uh, I finish a book. I was just telling this to somebody the other day. I said, when I have that freak out, where it's like a panic attack, I know now how to finish my story. But until I have that, I'm just plugging along going, I'm not gonna be able to finish this story. I don't, have, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I have a total meltdown, not a total meltdown, but you know what I'm saying. And then I can do it. And so that's my quality. Once that panic attack happens, that meltdown, I should be able to finish the story. So what is next in your writing journey? Um, well, I, I just finishing up the edits on my second Champions Quest, and that will be, I have to turn it in on Monday. Um, so the book is done, but then I've gone through a round of edits, and then I'm starting a new book that's I'm under contract that will be due next August. So hopefully I'll get some time off from writing, and then I can start that and turn that in next August exciting it is it's exciting it's 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 an awesome stress but it's exciting is editing your own stories ever proving difficult need some advice it might be scary to kill your little darlings but we're here to help giving you some tips and tricks to improve your writing through your own story this week's story is called believer it is by andy garcia and he is 17. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I give you this year's Newport Luminary winner, Mr. William Ortiz. The crowd suddenly roared with applause and cheers. As I stepped on the stage, I looked up and said under my breath, thank you. I know that was you. And I kissed my golden cross that was on my shiny gold chain. Thank you, Rita. I truly thank you for the statue and award. They mean so much to me. I want to thank God for all his blessings, my family, my friends, my beautiful wife, Kim, who is also my number one supporter, and all my other supporters. This is for you. I truly believe since I was a boy that I can make a difference in the world for the BML community. All it took was self-confidence and a lot of effort. The world we live in is beautiful and all of us can do our part from praying and giving money to recycling and using clean energy. It might be true that we may never live in a perfect world, but we can certainly live in a better world for all of us to enjoy. No path to success is ever easy or painless. Otherwise, everyone would have taken it. So I say to all of you around the world, don't fear obstacles, challenges, and adversity. The harder the challenges to overcome, the more stronger and better prepared you'll be in the future. So keep going, work hard, and follow your incredible dreams. Great job, Andy. Um, now job. Gonna give, yeah, we're going to give you a bit of advice. So what is one thing you liked about this, Frank? Um, well, you can tell from the writing that the author is very passionate about this um, and about his characters. And, and it um, the character themselves, uh, William Ortiz, I'm assuming this is kind of he's the main focus of the story. Um, I, I, he's got a lot of heart. And I think that will come out as as uh, Andy's writing this. You'll see the, um, the heart and people are going to be able to to attach themselves to this character pretty easy. And so that's that's important. That's one of the biggest obstacles authors have is having a character that people can grab onto and and uh, and like. And so it, it looks like Andy's already got this with this character. Yeah, I completely agree. I would say the same thing as well as. I like, I like the idea of starting it kind of in this way where you're kind of almost immediately connected with that character. I think it is a great way to introduce a character. Yeah. So, so what is one thing we think can be improved in this story? So for my initial listening and reading of this uh, paragraph, I would say uh, break up the dialogue a little bit um, with something. Give me some visual of what's happening. Give me some action in, you know, maybe some motion uh, of what's happening um, around the character. So I can, I, I mean, right now I get an idea that uh, William is, is accepting an award and um, he's going into this speech and which is great. But I think also it's important at that moment that you want to hook the reader into something that's going to really keep them reading. And so I would say, yeah, some type of action, some type of vivid description, something interesting that you can see that can kind of complement the dialogue that's already in there. Yeah. I'd say something along the same lines. I think I want to know what's happening around him besides him just receiving this award or maybe what this award looks like. I want something to tie me from the dialogue to the situation that this character is in. Well, awesome job. To enter in your own work for our Kill Your Little Darling section of the podcast, check out at the next bestseller on Instagram. T 
Teen Author Bootcamp sponsors this podcast. Teen Author Bootcamp, if you don't know, is a nonprofit organization that brings best-selling authors and writing workshops to teen writers at affordable prices. For over a decade, TVC has held an annual writing conference for teens in the month of March in Provo, Utah, and is now available virtually. This year's conference you will not want to miss, as we have authors coming in like Marissa Meyer, Kendra Blake, more amazing authors will be able to share all their writing advice with you. Check out at TeenAuthorBootCamp on Instagram and TeenAuthorBootCamp.net for more information on how you can register today. Need advice that will better your craft? Well, here we go. Each week on the Next Bestseller Podcast, we'll focus on a specific element of writing to help you reach next level craft. This month, Let's talk about creating fantastical characters and absorbing them into your worlds. How do you create realistic, fantastical creatures that a reader can connect to? Um, it's tricky because uh, I, I think, well, there's a lot of material that's out there. And um, one of the things that when I was creating this story with Champions Quest um, and talking with my publisher, they really wanted some, they wanted characters and they, or creatures and um, fantasy type monsters and whatnot that people could relate with that they knew. And so it's, it's one thing to create an entire monster that had never existed before or a creature that never existed before and vividly describe it. Um, and if you're really good with your descriptions and people can see that, then that's great. But if it's not your strong suit, it's nice to already have a whole, I mean, there are books of fantastical creatures that already exist. And so a lot of what you do is you use the material that's already there. So Fable Haven, what made Fable Haven so successful for Brandon Mole is that people could see those characters and they knew, they knew what a dragon was. They knew what a fawn was, um, you know, a sphinx may have, they might've, he might've had to do some uh, descriptions here and there of, of certain creatures just to remind us but they were already in existence. Fairies, we knew what fairies looked like and we understood it. witches, we understood that. And so he didn't have to rewrite the book, rewrite the, the fantasy book. He could pull from that and then make those creatures his own. Same thing with Champion's Quest. Um, I, I use creatures that already exist. Sometimes I tweak them a little bit uh, and I'll make the creature my own in a way. But if I, if I talk about an ogre or a goblin, a reader can see that. And then if I describe the goblin a little bit differently, then it's like, okay, I already know I have the basis of how to, of what it looks like. And now you described it this way. So I can see that. How do you create keep creatures that are kind of outside what is normally written about? So that it, it gets hard, but, but I think once you've established your creatures and the, and the, um, so for example, for, for, for Champions Quest, I actually, this is my nerdy self, but I went and bought all the creature cards, monster cards that exist in like the Dungeons and Dragons universe. So I used those and I looked at them and I studied them and I saw, okay, this is, this is what a goblin, this is what an ogre, these are stone giants, things that I could see. And then um, I started making uh, some adjustments. So I, I, in my new book that I'm writing, there's these creatures called Selkies and they exist. There, there are movies about Selkies, but then I 
made them a little bit different. I made these ones have like antlers and, um, and they live in this, in this certain lake that, and they're, and they're very helpful. I mean, that there's a lot of similarities to them, but you find unique ways to make them your own. Um, or you make, uh, a creature act differently than what the reader would have expected. You know, something big and burly and, and, and mean could suddenly be very compassionate and kind. The reader's not going to expect that. And so that gives them a nice break. So there's, there's an ogre in Champion's Quest, the first book. His name's Jugger. It's pretty rough. Um, he actually has to fight the champions right at the beginning. Kind of, he's like, he's, he's testing them. But he's just, he's kind of a mean guy. Um, but then there's this magical pow powder that one of the characters blows in his face. Suddenly he's just really... Very, very uh, accommodating and very kind. The powder is making him do it, but I think you could see the differences in his personality when you do that. And I think readers will enjoy that. They're like, okay, I know he's a brutish monster that's just vicious, but now because of this magical spell, you know, he's like a tour guide. He's showing them around for a while until that magic wears off. Yeah. So how do you find inspiration for I guess new ways to tweak characters because I feel like a lot of times especially I think young readers are a lot discouraged because they feel like everything's already been written so yeah I, I think everything has been written I you know it's um I, I've, I've heard that too and I, and I've said that in, in like presentations before everything's already been written and that can get discouraging for uh for a new author or a young author um but I want to correct that everything has been, everything, creatures and scenarios have been written, but it's your take on those creatures and scenarios that hasn't been written. So that gives you that uniqueness. You know, I'm going to make this situation. Um, so for example, um, maybe, maybe this is not what you're talking about, but I, you know, we know what goblins are and we know what they look like and they're little green and um, whatever. They're, they're very, very, familiar to us we know what a goblin is and i didn't change that i i kept goblins how we would see them but there's a goblin employee that works at the shop where the i don't know if you got that that point in the book but they when the kids go into the shop there's a goblin employee employee named barry and he's a normal well we think he's like a normal guy but he's dressed like a goblin well later on in the book um, i won't spoil it too much but one of the challenges that they, uh, the characters have to do is go down this goblin road. It's very dangerous. They're not supposed to go down this road because they're not ready for it. Well, naturally, there's lots of goblins and they all pop up out of the ground and come chasing them. And they're all named Barry and they all have the Barry name tag and they all talk like Barry. But they're all Barry's clones and they're going to come, come kill the characters. That's their main goal. So you take those things, you kind of flip it on its head and, and make it your own. You make it funny. Um, and that's how I did. So every, every goblin you see for the most part in champions quest is named Barry. Um, and there could be thousands of them. In fact, there are thousands and they're all named Barry and there's, there's reasons for that, but I haven't gotten to it in book one, book two kind of touched on a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think it does come down to your own voice is going to put your own flair on it. Even if it's a basic character that a lot of people have heard about before. Exactly. And, and when in doubt go weird make it weird make something what could be the weirdest thing you could do to this monster or this scenario and and just allow yourself that freedom and you'll find that you write something very interesting you know um 
weird is really good. Anytime you can go, my agent tells me all the time. She said, one of my strengths is I'm able to take really, really weird things that I'm writing and make it feel kind of normal. And I think if you can do that, you know, if you're, if you're stumped, I'm like, I've got a monster and it feels like everyone knows it. Okay. I'm gonna make it weird. What can I do to make it weird? And that's, then you'll be able to find things. Yeah. How have you found is the easiest to kind of normalize those weird things that may seem super strange, but also kind of still become a part of your world without being so far out there that your readers don't understand it? Yeah, there is, there is, uh, there is that too, because if you go too weird, I I've read books before and I'm like, I cannot even visualize this. I can't even see what's going because it's so bizarre. Um, so yeah, there's a balance, but I think you ask yourself questions, uh, you know, anytime you're writing something and you say, okay, I've got, I, I, I'm stumped here. I'm trying to create something unique. So you ask yourself questions and you, and you, what can I do to make this weird? And then you explain it. You, you explain it to yourself why you did this. Um, you know, when you're writing, I always, I, I typically say, whenever you're writing conflict, you ask your, yourself these questions. Why is it happening? Why is it happening now? And what happens if we fail? You know, and if you start asking those questions and you answer them, then you have yourself a pretty good basis for a story. You know, I, well, this is why it's happening. And this is why it's happening now to these characters. And this is what's going to, if they don't succeed, this is what these are the consequences. And the same thing with your monsters that why does this monster act in the way he is? Figure out his backstory. You may not tell the, the reader what it is right away, but um, if you know that, it's going to help your motivations for that character. Yeah. So how do you balance? We've talked like about balancing like weird and I guess not weird and a, a couple other things. How do you balance strengths and weakness so that it's still a creature that is not overpowered or underpowered? So I'm going to probably, this is an unpopular uh, opinion, but I, well, I, there's certain superheroes that I do not love. And, and there, are there are certain superheroes in the Marvel and DC universe that I do love. And it, I love the superheroes that are not all powerful. I cannot stand superheroes that are so powerful. I can't even figure out what would even stop them. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're watching a movie and you're like, oh, that's what stopped him. I didn't, I didn't, I, that seems kind of silly to me. Um, like Batman to me is perfect, you know, and not, not all the Batman characters that have been created, but Batman himself is one of the best superheroes because he is not invincible. He just has a way to equip himself you know, and, and he's, and he's trained himself to be very, very effective but I love that. And I, I love, I don't want to have an all powerful villain. I don't want to have an all powerful hero. I want them to, to fail um, a lot because that's where you get that development of a character. That's where you, you discover what their true strengths are. How do you write fantastical creatures as heroes versus as villains? So uh, an example, there's a gargoyle in Champion's Quest named Gilner. He's Gilner the Gilded Gargoyle. And he, is, whenever the heroes reach a certain point, he will show up and appear and give them gifts. And he speaks with a French accent. He's very, you know, he's, he's got a lot of bling all over him. That's just who he is. 
and he's very fancy and uh, I love him. He's like one of my favorite characters. Um, but I think you find a unique attribute that could be that character's go-to, you know, he's Gilner, the gilded gargoyle. So he looks like if, you know, he's lit up like a Christmas tree and he's giving out gifts and that's just who he is, but he's also a, a, a monster, you know, and then in book two, you see that there, there's something that happens and he's, he could be kind of savage, but I think all these characters, um, you know, it's, uh, you think of dragons and dragons are these powerful, powerful creatures that are like on another level than, than us. Um, and I think of smog in, in Lord of the Rings, very intelligent and very, uh, arrogant and very, um, I mean, I think that's, he's very smart, very, uh, arrogant, and he's, he has what he likes and that gives him personality because he sticks to that. I mean, throughout the entire sequence, he's arrogant. He, that's why Bilbo is able to, to, uh, outsmart him in a way. What steps do you take to create a magic system? Um, okay. So champions quest, it was, it was tricky because I, I had to create a game and that's where the magic comes from. The magic comes from this game. Um, and so that, that's the main magic system. I mean, there are wizards and there are witches and there are different, um, beings of power in this other world, but the, the magic came from the game. And so, um, I, I, that was tricky because I had to really go play a lot of D and D, which is awesome. It's a lot of fun. Um, again, my nerdiness is coming out, but I really enjoyed that, but that kind of gave me the idea of how to create the magic system for like potion masters. I knew that everything that, that was magical had to be linked to a potion. That was the rule. It couldn't be suddenly someone shows up and uh, they have a magic wand and, or, or if there was a wand, there are wands that show up in potion masters. They are linked to a potion and that's how that's the magic system. Um, and it, it, it gave me kind of, it grounded me in the story, but it gave me a lot of freedom too. So, so for with champions quest, I went and played a lot of D and I studied a lot of the rules of the game for potion masters. I just started studying ingredients that are all over the world. And when I started thinking of, um, you know, what could be the most bizarre thing that could happen with this potion, then I'd say, okay, where, where did this potion come from? Then I would go on Google and look up that country and find the most bizarre ingredients and start pulling them in. And that was, I mean, that was fun. That to me was, that research was a lot of fun exploring the, the possibilities of that magic. But yeah, I think you find you know, you find something that can root you and then it does give you freedom because, you know, you're not creating these all powerful beings. You're like, eh, it's potions. If you don't have a potion, you can't do this, you know? And so I think that's, that helps. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that even though magic systems, even though it might be like completely new or, you know, it is magic. So it's not exactly reality. It still takes research and it still takes rules and elements that bring it all to the heart of it yeah to make it authentic to make it feel like it's real you can tell when you read something and you and the author may have not done their research and you and you read and you're like you, you just don't have a connection and you know sometimes people off readers don't have a connection with your story because it's not what they would read anyways 
But if they're if it's something that they enjoy and they read it, they can tell. Readers can tell that okay, this guy knows what he's talking about, or he doesn't know what he's on. And that was my biggest fear with writing Champions Quest. Is I played some role playing games when I was younger, but it had been so long since I had. I had to go find friends that would let me play with them so I could learn again and remember. And, and then I bought all the materials and I started studying and thinking about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's based, it's like Dungeons and Dragons, but it's not, it's a different game. Champions Quest is something that I created. Um, it's a die, it's a role-playing game with dice, but it's, it's, it's kind of what I did, but it's rooted in Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I, I didn't invent the will. I just, spun off of it <laughs> yeah i definitely think yeah you have your root and then you i guess we talked before you take the basics and then you make it your own yeah and and i think there's nothing wrong with that and i think sometimes when we get we we kind of get panicked because you think it, it's already been done before I'm like yeah great you have a ton of research you have a ton of material you can pull from and learn from it and now you can say okay now how can i flip this on its head. How can I spin this and make this my own? What can teens do now to start a writing career? Um, teen author bootcamp is one of the best things I've ever seen. I've, I've never seen, I've never, I was never a part of something like that when I was growing up. I think finding like-minded authors that are your own age or, you know, close to your age that you can bounce ideas off of. Um, you know, obviously if you write, a certain type of book you know some people are going to write um romances some people are going to write mysteries some people are going to write horror find the people that write that as well and and surround yourself with them and and help each other but yeah that's that's the start and then don't give up i it's very easy to give up and that's why um really being a successful or being an author a published author is a matter of perseverance what advantages do teens have over adult writers you guys get it uh you get what's going on you get what's um the trendy things i you know i have a i have some teens in my house and um i i i'm sure i'm just a dorky dad and they can they know the what people are thinking their age they they know what what feels right and authentic to them um so if you can hone your craft and be very uh and continue to grow with how you write and you already have you're already rooted in what's happening around you you're you already got the advantage you have way more advantage than than adult authors that are not very hip is there a question that you would have liked me to ask you? And then if there is, how would you answer it? Maybe what was my most difficult book to write? And the answer is all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They all are difficult because like I said, I have to have those panic, panic, panic attacks um, to get to my, to get to the root of my story. It's probably not a a healthy way of doing it, but if the story is so easy to write, I don't think it has, and, and maybe I'm wrong. For me, if, if my story is super easy to write, it's got to be wrong. And so um, great things come through great adversity, right? Tri- you triumph over adversity 
And so if you never had any adversity when you're writing a story, there's really not any triumph. You need to have those moments where um, this is a hard book to write. It's, it's really taking a lot out of me. It's making me think it's just not, it's not coming easily. And that's okay. Because if you can push through that, then you're going to have a much better story. So where can people find you? Well, I, I am somewhat online. I, I have Instagram. I do have a TikTok account. See, again, I'm not cool, but I have a TikTok account and uh, <laughs> uh, I'm learning. I'm learning. But social media, you can find me. Um, Frank Cole writes on Instagram. I think it's Frank L. Cole on TikTok. I'm on Twitter. Um, my website is frankcolewrites.com. Are your favorite authors pantsers or potters? Or a mix of both? A planter? Here comes our lightning round. Let's get to know our favorite authors with fun and possibly silly lightning round questions. Are you a pantser or a plotter? Pantser, um, sadly. But yeah, I've been that way for many, many years. What is your guilty pleasure read? Uh, I really like the last kids on earth, uh, graphic novels. Um, I mean, they seem younger, but they're fun. I enjoyed those. Why do you write? What keeps you going? I write because I think it's, it's what I'm supposed to do. It feels like I, I had that moment one time, a long time ago when I thought, you know, this may not be the, the most lucrative job, but it feels right. It feels like this is what I'm supposed to do. And that keeps me going even during the hard times when it's really there's a lot of, you know, stresses that come with writing um, and, and not being, you know, the, all of that, it makes it tough. Yeah. What is, is, or was the worst part of the COVID pandemic for you? Releasing a book during COVID is very difficult. Uh, people don't find you when there's, uh, I do, I do a lot of, typically do a lot of touring. Um, I've done, you know, hundreds of schools and that's how kids can find me and, and they, and they can find my books because there's so many books out there. And then all of a sudden COVID hit came and shut it all down. And that was very tough. If you can meet up with any book character for lunch, who would it be and why? Uh, Dolores Umbridge. (laughs) I hate her. I hate her, but uh, she's got to be the the best villain in literature. What is the best thing about being an author? That moment um, when the, when the real, a really good idea hits you and I get ideas all the time and I'm sure you do. And you might toil around with those ideas, but when that moment hits you and you're like, this is it, there's nothing quite like that. If you weren't a writer, though, what would you be? A singer and a dancer. No. <laughs> I, I, I'd be what I am now. I, I like manage a bookstore. So <laughs> that's what I do anyways. When I'm not writing, I'm, I'm managing a bookstore. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it say and why? I mean, just having a billboard with my books on it and so people could see it, that'd be very cool just to see it on there. But um, lame. That was a lame answer, but I'm sticking to it. A billboard with my books on it. What is your favorite song to get you out of writing funk? Ah, uh, Here's an interesting one. I don't listen to music at all when I write at all. It's completely quiet. I, I have my AirPods. 
noise canceling, nothing. What is your idea of the perfect date? Around Halloween, I think it was actually on Halloween. So me and some, some guys, we took our dates and we blindfolded them and we drove them all around town and we let them loose. And then they took off their blindfolds and we were in a cemetery and we had set up um, some blankets and a generator and we watched poltergeist in the cemetery. That's kind of awesome, but I'd also like, I can't, I can't believe she married me (laughs) (laughs) and it gets better because some, some other people showed up and we thought they were the police. So we were a little worried. We went and make sure they weren't the police. And, and uh, it turns out there's some other people just running around the graveyard. So we went back to start watching the movie as we're watching the movie, all of a sudden, and I couldn't see because my eyes were focused on the screen. It was all dark. Some grim reaper showed up and walked into our group and fell on top of us because they couldn't see. And all all the girls were going, oh, you know who this is. They're screaming. We didn't know who it was. It was one of the people that we had saw. And so he went back home, got his Grim Reaper costume and came in. It was awesome. But he tripped. He blew it because it would have been really cool if he would have walked through, but he fell on top of us and it made it great. Would you rather vacation to a tropical location or a snowy location? Okay, snowy, and only because I've done tropical so much, um, and I love tropical, but now my dream vacation is either either Iceland or Norway. If you could have written any book ever written, which book would it be and why? I would want to say Harry Potter, but I don't think I would, because I enjoy that so much that I think I would not enjoy it if I wrote it. Um you know, I love Harry Potter so much and I can keep reading it because I didn't write it. But I really love um, Neil Schusterman's Scythe and um, Thunderhead and Toll series. I, I wish I, that's just very smart. I wish I could have written that one. What is your hope for the future generation of authors? Um, you know, there's so many that go to the teen author boot camp. It's amazing. Um, I, I don't, I just, even if a, if a fraction of them sticks, sticks with it and, and finishes and, and gets published, that will be awesome. Well, we've made it to the end of this podcast. I loved having you. Thank you so much for being able to come on, Frank. Thanks for having me, Maddie. That was awesome. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of The Next Bestseller. Find out more information about TABC at Teen Author Bootcamp on social media and at teenarthabootcamp.net. As well as follow at The Next Bestseller on Instagram to keep a lookout for more episode releases. You can find out more about our events and sign up to have your work critiqued on a future podcast. Make sure to tune in next time for more writing tips and tricks and to learn more about your favorite authors. Here's to one of us writing The Next Bestseller. Happy writing! Happy writing!